You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. Be sure, the premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. Not accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are so full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and this, somehow, some way, I don't know what led us down this road, but this is a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz. Texas gets the win 63-56 in overtime because that's exactly how we all thought this one was going to play out. <laughs> we got a lot to get to to go big picture on this one. There's a lot to unpack, and let's not waste any time and get right into the presentation. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. He is our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Pretty well, man. It basically all came down to two words I kept texting my friends. F and Lubbock. It was just love <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Probably, Seriously. I couldn't have put that in a headline, Matt, or a lead, but that's a pretty good way to mm-hmm. describe it. Uh, a man who knows all Best about on radio. <laughs> all about crazy football adventures in Lubbock, Texas. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Baberson. Thanks for the intro, brother. As always, it means it means more doing conference play. Rod, there was a point <laughs> in this game where it really reminded me of that 0-2 game where it kind of got... It was a little sloppy defensively, and the heat in Lubbock was definitely a factor on Saturday, mm-hmm. and Texas let Texas Tech hang around just enough to where you lose a lead, and with 3.13 to go, it certainly looks like you're going to lose you a football game that you probably had no business losing. Yeah, I think Matt was right. I think it's – and Longhorn fans, I mean, they echoed that sentiment on Twitter. Just, just weird things happening in Lubbock. I mean, that O two 2 game, we had – we had four starters that went down in that game on defense alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just stuff like that just didn't happen. You know what I mean? It, it's weird. 2008, everybody remembers. So I agree with him. I think we're, and this is probably the strangest game I've ever seen uh, in Lubbock. Hell, it might be the strangest game I've ever seen in Longhorns play on the road, period. It was just weird. The most miraculous thing about this game was not the win, and we'll break it down and get into it. The most miraculous thing about this game was Bijan Robinson walking away yes. from that play. I, I Honestly, that to me – was the most jaw-dropping thing I've ever seen. To f- watch him just walk, just walk, just, just trot away from it. Was it was one of those get-ups, like, I'm okay. I expected something really bad. I'm, 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 a, I'm upset with myself that my brain automatically went there. 
because if you watch the replay, mm. he is literally landing on his neck, and then his body re- flips the wrong way. Over. Scorpion. I, it's almost like he's an alien, and does. And it was revealed that he doesn't really have, you know, what I mean, doesn't really have a spine. Like he's <laughs> that he could be an alien. Or something. I, what I sort of told my brother, I was like, I mean, that's why he's a five star athlete. That's <laughs> right? athleticism. How the hell that's on your NFL the, tape? Right how does Jordan there? Whittington get, you know, get hurt doing doing a T cut, and this guy? <laughs> I, mean, he's a I watched him. I watched Bijan Robinson in the bench area get tended to by the training staff. The only thing I saw him do, I saw him as Matt shows Rod the still image. I saw him reach for his back, like he kept pointing to his back, and then I saw him. And I, look, I don't mean to sound like we're speculating here, but that's kind of what we do. It's kind of one of the things we pay to do. But I saw him get up, and he was running, like trying to like get loose behind the bench. And it's almost like the training staff went over and told him, like, no, no, you're you're done. You're you're not going back. You're done, man. Well, we watched. I'm sorry. I know it's great you walked away, but we got to yeah, run yeah. some tests like, on you. They're we like, we understand. We understand. We got some X-rays. We're gonna run. Yeah, like, we understand we, you're you're we, loose, but you're you're not right. going back. So I don't want to dwell on it too much. But to examine you, right? That was unbelievable. I, and I think I mean I am I am thankful that I nothing happened been, at all. I wouldn't have been as, as uh, I would have been more floored by that rod had I not seen that before, not on a football field. Not to take it back to one of my other loves, pro wrestling, but I watched Brock Lesnar in a ring one time botch a shooting star press where he landed, he couldn't, ro- he didn't rotate far enough Ooh. and like landed like head first, and I, I was like, dude, he's not getting up. I was like, he's dead, he's dead or paralyzed. Like that's right. He's not getting up. And oh he, man, he finished the match, like got up and was fine. Finished the match. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But again, <laughs> athletic <laughs> freaks. Yeah, yo, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, some right. people's that's bodies just are just built different. Yeah, people's bodies are. That's kind of the point I wanted to get to. This game yeah. was built different, and we yes, went into it, it. We went into it thinking Texas was the better football team, and Texas is the better football team. I think that played itself out, and we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. But we were thinking this was a chance for Texas to turn over a new leaf under Tom Herman and go on the road as a massive favorite and take care of business. <laughs> Guys, I'll start with this, and, and this is the question that. On that on that drive back from Lubbock, you've got a lot of time to think. There's not yes, much you else you can do. And I started thinking about this. Other than Alabama and Clemson and maybe Ohio State when, when they get started here in a couple of weeks, is it just going to be a week-to-week proposition for everybody in the country this year? Given the unstable nature of camp, given you don't know exactly what your travel roster or game day roster is going to look like until you get there. Is it really just going to be like, are we just going to do this where we really don't know what to expect one week to the next, unless you are one of those proven elite brands in the country? No, I think it'll get more consistent as the year goes on after you have more practices and guys have more reps. Right now you're dealing with the the chaos of no spring practice, no offseason at all. Guys were at home. It was just the most – uh, unconventional offseason in college sports history. I think you're dealing with that. The Big 12 is seeing the ramifications of that that extra data point they wanted, right? That extra game that probably threw them off because we saw a lot of improvement, right? Teams didn't even look. Tom Herman was right. Teams didn't look the same at all mm-hmm. from week one to week two. K-State, Iowa State, none of those teams really looked the same. And I think the more practice time you get, Big 12 started a little bit later in the offseason, started up a little bit later than the other conferences, and they started the season earlier than the other conferences. That's why they probably looked the worst. I think those other conferences, too, you're going to see upsets through the first two or three weeks. You'll see a lot of injuries. Injuries will probably be up, too, and then everything will kind of settle down and regress to the mean. I'll give you I'll give you credit, though, Rod. Matt, you, you pointed <laughs> this out as well last week. Um, I thought we were going to see some sloppy games in the SEC, and really – 
other than A&M Vanderbilt, it wasn't. It was your pretty typical mm-hmm. Saturday in the SEC. Yeah, other than you yes. know the air raid hitting the SEC, it, yeah, which I'm we like also expected. Happened. Everybody expected that. We knew that was going to happen yeah, too. We knew they were Everybody from Big Twelve countries like, oh, that's automatic. That was a combination. They're going to light that, that place up. That was a combination of two things. That was like, <laughs> I don't know. People in the SEC just think like that conference is just in the superior football bubble they do. and nothing can penetrate. Yeah. Like, no, look, it's football superiority. This is, this is worked yeah. in two other Power Five leagues. Just get your head around. It's it almost like football supremacy. Like yeah, they, yeah. Like, yeah. So it was that, and the fact that I, I saw—I forgot which national writer—I can't think right now—but somebody tweeted out, "Well, why? Why did we expect uh, LSU to to be good? Like, I don't know why you expected LSU to bounce back. Look at what they <laughs> lost." <laughs> Unprecedented. You set, a, you set a record for draft picks in a seven-round draft. You have Jamar Chase and all these guys opt out. Yep. Uh, Rod, I didn't watch that game. I don't know highlights. Did Derek I'm going to go find did, a way Did Derek to Stingley play? Because I no. know he had the – Yeah, he, he was know. hospitalized. Okay, he was okay. That makes sense. So you're missing maybe the best defensive player in college football on top yep. of all that? No question. Yeah. It doesn't shock me that LSU lost that football game. Nope. Yeah, and it doesn't shock me that Leach took a guy from Stanford that was throwing for like 190 yards last year at this time to just say, hey, let's go first game. And now everybody, like when you see Heisman list, it's sort of the Tim Couch factor. It's like now, the last time he was in that conference, Tim Couch was a first overall draft pick. With After one game in that conference, who's atop the Heisman list? Oh, the guy that broke the, every SEC record by 100 yards. Unreal. Yeah. Uh, Rob, we didn't see – Records broken in Lubbock because you figure with as many points that got scored, we saw some. We, yeah, we, like, you, you figure like, man, these teams are going to be like just blowing and going, and your offensive numbers are going to be through the roof. When you look at total yards, Texas actually wins the total yardage battle, four seventy six to four forty one. But we talk about weird games, and I, and I mentioned earlier this was a game that Texas had no business losing in the outset on paper. Yes, they, they had no, no business, business losing. winning it actually. And, but as it, <laughs> and, and yes, as it played out, they had no twenty twenty. Both, both are true. They had no, no business as this game played out. They had no business winning this game. And Rod, when you look at the end of that, that from that three thirteen mark where Sir Roger Thompson scores that touchdown, mm-hmm. the Trey Wolf kickoff. And this is where we'll start. I just want to start here. The Trey Wolf kickoff. If you looked at ESPN, the football power index, hmm. Texas Tech had a win probability of 99.8% at that point on the kickoff. And this game was, to me, was all the, the, the storyline in this game was it was all about hidden yardage. It was all about hidden yardage. Hmm. Whether you talk about special teams, turnovers, whatever. Missed tackle. It's all, it's all about hidden. Yes. But, yeah. And I know you've got numbers on that, Rod, but I want to start with that first kind of that sequence in the fourth quarter, starting at the 313 mark. And I think this is a game that I'm sure Sunday, even into Monday, and hell, maybe for the rest of the year, Matt Wells is going to be kicking himself because I yeah. just think he overthought things way too much late in the game. And it started with the kickoff. They call the sky kick because and, – and Texas fans, this is the gift and the curse with Deshaun Jamison as your return guy. He can bust one loose. He can muff a punt like he did in that game that got returned mm-hmm. – that got recovered in the end zone for a touchdown <laughs> – Matt Wells did not want the ball anywhere near Deshaun Jamison. He didn't want Deshaun Jamison to touch the ball in that situation. They call a sky kick, and they just mishit the ball. Yep. So Texas gets great field position to start that drive. It's a quick four-play drive, 59 yards, 34 seconds off the clock, and now you're right back in the game. You get the onside kick, and you're off and running. So, Rod, between the sky, ki- the botched sky kick, the onside kick recovery – yeah. The offense really benefited. I take nothing away from Sam Ellinger, but that Texas offense, you got really, 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 really 
lucky with having two short fields to work with there in the fourth quarter. Well, the special teams, right, they made up for the gaffes earlier in the game is what happened. So your and special the turnovers. Te- yeah, so your special teams almost just broke even, essentially what happened. It was pretty much right? a Early, early in the game, bad. you had the muffed punt, you had the block punt, you had the, you know, the onside kick that was recovered, so your special teams was losing you the game. The reason you were down 15 points with three and a half minutes left was because your special teams, and some other things too, but your special teams had really let you down. And they came back to, you know, Dick the kicker was huge also. I mean, he was money in the bank. He also was good on the onside kick. That was a great onside kick. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you're right, man. I think that's a great point about the fear of Deshaun Jameson back there. Big mistake, though. You should just... Big mistake, huge. That was Matt, just, Matt Wells, just kicked it. That was Matt Wells overcooking. You should have just kicked right it, there, man. man. What are you doing? Just yeah, because I mean, even though Deshaun <laughs> had came close to breaking one, coming close to breaking one doesn't give you the ball out past the forty. Normally, you're yeah. getting tackled like a five ten yards short of that. And if he does break one, he breaks one. But you know, the odds of that are very few and far between. When you add up, like Jeff said, the two fields Texas had to go after getting that in the onside kick, it's not even a full field of yardage almost. You barely had to go hundred yards for those two touchdowns which is really big and the craziest thing where Jeff had pointed out the win probability for Texas Tech with the final three minutes if you just go one quarter before that when Texas is up in the third quarter at the 215 mark Texas had a win probability of 93.3 so in a quarter it switched from Texas being at 93.3 to 99.4 with Tech or 99.8 I guess at that one point just crazy in one quarter you could see it swing that much it's crazy so let's talk about the offense first since we're there, and I, I want to get to some specifics offensively. But, Rod, this was a complete deviation from the UTEP game plan just in terms of especially in the, in the, as the game went on and once you got into the, through the third and into the early fourth mm-hmm. quarter, your early down run rate was through the roof. Mm-hmm. You got behind the chains. For Texas, your average to go distance on third down in the game ends up being eight and a half. You're 0 for 5 trying to convert on third and 9 plus. So you were in five third and 9 pluses in that game. I didn't understand the logic of trying to run the football. This was the most unimpressive 200-plus yard rushing effort by a Texas offense I think I've ever seen. And even when you adjust it and take the two sacks out, you were, I believe, 46 for 232 rushing. Which, when you look at a box score, you say, okay, yeah, yeah. you're pretty good. But most but of that was Sam Chunk. Sam's. Other than Keontae Ingram, and I, 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 you know, when I did my immediate reactions after the game, I have to pick an offensive player of the game. I picked Keontae Ingram because I thought he ran hard. I thought he got a lot of yardage on his own. He had some clutch runs, too. Mm-hmm. He made a, couple, clutch time. made a couple really big catches mm-hmm. late in the game. But other than Keontae mm-hmm. Ingram's efforts, Rod, and the quarterback draw working out really well for you in some situations. This offense right now is just not wired to be able to line up and run the football whenever they want. No, what happened, you know, and it's interesting, Tech had a, um, I thought it was an interesting game plan. Was it, is it Keith Patterson, the Keith defensive, Patterson, coordinator, yeah. defensive coordinator for them? Um, basically, I'm sorry, I call it the rope-a-dope defense, uh, and it's interesting how you've seen a lot of teams use it at the NFL level and at the college level. Basically, I'm going to give you a light box. All right, I'm going to give you a friendly box. I think your quarterback's legit. I mean, he talked about before the game, your, your quotes from Keith Patterson about how transcendent Sam was. And essentially, I'm going to let give Texas a light box and dare them to run the ball. 
All right. You I know my secondary is terrible. I know they're horrible. All right. So I need to drop guys back there anyway and add guys to coverage so I can drop eight. I'll just rush three most of the time and we can be late in our alleys to the run. But I'm going to give you a light box. And they gave Texas a light box. Go look, go go back and yeah. watch. Most of the time they were giving Texas a light box. I think Texas just, you know, they decided, all right, you're going to give us a light box. Football logic would dictate I'm going to run the football versus light box and we'll be able to dominate. And that's the, the pro spread, right? He wants to be the, the, power, the power spread anyway. He wants to be more power than spread. So they tried, they, they ran the ball. And, I, you know, whether they are a good run-blocking offensive line or not, I don't know if that's a, a true enough sample size to, to be able to say that accurately. But they're not a dominant run-blocking offensive line. No. So I think ultimately – over time, Texas Tech wins that battle. When you keep deciding, all right, I'm going to run against this light box, and you also take the ball out of your best player's hands, which is Sam Ellinger, so that defense works. And it also adds to my weakness on defense, which is coverage so I can drop guys back, congest, and clog up those passing windows. So I think ultimately when you – and that's why the quarterback draw works so great, right? The quarterback draw is perfect for that defense. Mm-hmm. You, if I, once he drops back – you're going to drop back your eight guys, only rush your three, and then there's this, there's this, uh, you know, there's this gap, this void, right? A 10-yard void where two guys are back in coverage and where Sam, and that's why their quarterback draw where they would have Keontae Ingram or Rojo be a lead blocker, it was great. And that was probably their best run play. You go back and look at it, they got lots of chunk yardage run plays off of that. The draw worked perfect with that kind of defense. So, you know, it's different, but I call it the rope-a-dope. And some offenses, they fall for it because football logic dictates, hey, light box, mm-hmm. you got the numbers advantage. Just run the damn ball. But if you can't guarantee that you're going to get those chunk yardage runs on first and second down and then you get to a third and long, that's exactly Texas Tech won already. Yeah. Now, you may convert it, but that's exactly what Texas Tech wants. They just want to get you to third and long They're where they know it's a predictable passing down. And they can almost bait you into doing that. That's in exactly what it is. It's just baiting. It's exactly, and, yeah. and it's the right decision normally for the offense unless you sort of can identify what they're doing and, like you're saying, have a run play that can be almost a counter to what their expectation was. And on the offensive line, you that's sort why of— the RPO is supposed to be perfect for that. Exactly, that too. We didn't, we didn't utilize it well enough. And not at all. And then the offensive line was confused at what they were seeing again, and that was what I thought was the biggest problem. When the offense got bad, yeah. it was because the offensive line couldn't identify it. I mean, with some of those three-man rushes, I mean, you, you don't want to call out names, but he had Kerstetter staring straight ahead and just peripheral vision each time wasn't there like you had got just looking to block somebody but at the wrong second he's sort of scanning a little left when the guy comes in from the right and it was the same type of tech stunt that you come down the middle so of the strange. line i know it, it's vision it's almost it's as so if weird. you just don't have yeah. good peripheral vision same thing from last it's year the, yeah it's the peripheral vision yeah. that's catching them each time and they aren't picking up that guy that's coming across and every team's going to continue to do it Three until the player and that might be personnel more than players if it continues like that if you're being coached it but it's hard to actually go out there and do something if you aren't don't have that skill and if you don't have that peripheral vision on the line you're going to be in trouble because you're trying to identify at the same time as block and if you can't just be on it immediately almost instinctive you're going to get manipulated both of the sacks were from three man rushes yeah and, and both just, on the same both, time and both ideal. stunts and 
and games that they just couldn't pick up. Yep. You think when your man disappears, if he disappears going right, then the stunt is going to come from And that it was way. perfectly timed because each that time that automatically you see go. Where's my man go? What does my man disappear to? If my man disappears to go left, I'm assuming most of the time that the stunt's going to come back from that direction. And then that's he'd come what, from the usually, usually, right? But, I mean, I, I'm sure that can be some really – I mean, if, if it's a three-man rush. That's what I'm saying. If you, if, like Matt said, if you identify as a three-man rush, there are only three guys that can go. So when your man disappears – you know he's saying, Kev, there's got to be another guy coming from that direction towards you. Otherwise, the other guy coming that's on there, he's that's two guys blocking him. Like, I don't – I'm, I'm trying one, to really understand, like, how it's tough for them to block games and stunts on three-man lines. And the one part – I know that I guess it was the most recent – it was the last one was the one where maybe he got caught a little bit they too had far a fourth, upfield. They did have a fourth man that they were going to add late to the blitz, but mm-hmm. he really didn't affect the Because at rush. that time, it's almost like if you don't find somebody, start backing up and continue that pocket because you almost get too far upfield and they're able to stunt in but inside true. your shoulder, and each time it happened that way. I'm officially concerned about this offensive line. Boys. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I am too. It was – I didn't – the red flag was not raised for me in the UTEP game because, look – It's UTEP. It's, well, it's UTEP, and it's like, look, they, the the uh, the goal in that game for Mike Yersich, the objective was, hey, let's get these wide receivers established, let's throw the ball early, let's jump mm-hmm. on them, et cetera. But, Rod, this is a game where, like you said, Tom Herman, Mike Yersich, they took the bait. They tried to say, no, we're going to exert our will in the run game. And they never really did. And I thought the one play that was just kind of indicative of the offensive line's performance, go back to the third quarter, the one successful drive in that quarter. By the way, the offense, if you look at the numbers in the third quarter, they were 2.9 per play yeah, terrible. in the third quarter. It was the worst quarter offensively. Like, I know it was coming can... out of the half, not a good sign. That's adjustments, right? That's mm-hmm. when coaches get a chance to communicate. All right, here's what we're going to do to counter what they're doing, and that's what you came up with? We're going to talk about, the, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the defense here in a sec, but they got no help from the offense in the third quarter whatsoever, including the Sam Ellinger interception that put them, gave them a 10-yard field to defend on the last yeah. play of the third quarter. You had no chance. Sam was off a little bit. Yeah. He was off. But – I, you know, like I said, I didn't raise the red flag. You know, I was going to give it another shot. Let's see what happens in Lubbock. This is a game where you should be able to impose your will and show that you're the better team in the trenches. And I thought the one run that was indicative of the whole day was that that drive, that one successful third quarter drive. They needed 12 plays to move it 47 yards, and they ended with a Cameron Dicker field goal. And they got a fourth and one, and Roshan Johnson needs a second, third, and maybe a fourth effort to get two yards and I was like yeah. that's that just sums that. it up in a nutshell on when it for, for an offensive lineman when it's four to one it yeah. is nut cutting time there there is no element of surprise the nope. defense knows what you're doing just plow ahead. you know what you're just doing plowing ahead. Yeah. put your hand in the dirt fire off and blow somebody back yeah. and you couldn't really do it it took a a tremendous effort Mm-hmm. From one of your better skill players on offense for you to move the sticks. Yeah, no, uh, no, I'm with you. It's uh, and, well, last year that was also an issue, right? We we brought up the offensive line numbers, and we can get into some of the specifics of it. But remember, you looked at their, uh, you know, their power success rate last year, as opposed to you know their stuff uh, rate. That yes, thank you very much, Matt. The stuff rate and or the the adjusted line, the adjusted lines, uh, the adjusted, I think, adjusted yards per. Carry yeah, I've got it right, right here. Right? Uh, what what um, number do you want, Rod? Power success rate and also Matt was it? It was, it was stuff rate. And stuff they were like, rate. One was twelfth and, and one was success rate. First. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stuff rate. You were they were tenth in the country. Power success rate ninety first. Yeah, and stuff rate is anything stopped at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. or behind the line of scrimmage. 
And I believe the power success rate, that's basically short yardage yeah, situation. Percentage of runs on third or fourth down, two, two yards, yards or, less, or to less to go that achieved a, a first down or a touchdown. So it didn't make sense, right? It's like, well, you don't allow, um, you know what I mean? You don't allow them to reset the line of scrimmage on you. You're mm-hmm. actually getting a push every time when you look at the, you know, the, the stuff, right? The stuff rate, they're not mm-hmm. getting stuffed. And yet... For some reason, when you know that Texas is going to run the ball, when it is predictable, third and short, fourth and short, when teams know it, teams are able valuable, to stop them and stuff valuable. them. Yeah, so it, to me, that's, that's a problem. That mm-hmm. means that Texas cannot assert their will and impose their will when they need to the most. Right. And they did that in 2018, exactly. and that's because they had Andrew Beck, apparently, and they had guys like Calvin Anderson, apparently. There were guys on that line that were really good at that specific skill, which is short yardage run blocking. Yeah, and but I'm I'm at the point now though, Rod. This is beyond this is beyond an Andrew Beck issue. This is this is becoming a Herb Hand issue. There is something. No, this, I don't know. I'm saying, right. but, but my point is, Herb Hand. Had, you know, I mean, I think now you're looking at why they were elite then. Why were they elite then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What made them elite then? Well, they got a guy in the NFL right now who's a fullback True. that's playing in the league. I'm just talking about what set them apart because they should have been they should have been terrible then too. Right. Why were they elite at that once? They were the best. They were like top five in the country in short yardage rushing in 2018. Yeah. Bam Bam Sam disappeared or something? With, no. a, with, a, mm-hmm. with a first-round draft pick on that offensive line, with a, with a four-year starter on that offensive line, a guy in Junior Angulo who's going to have a chance to play in the NFL, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be as inept at times as you are trying to put the football on the ground. It's yep. just I, I'm, I'm, har- I'm probably harsher on the offensive line than, than any other position You're group. You're no lineman, though. And, and I know <laughs> uh, that position group, though, I think is hurt. It's – not really a double-edged sword because there's some stuff you just can't excuse. That group, more than any other rod, as you know, they need more time to build chemistry, build some cohesion. So it, 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 the, the the truncated camp was worse on that group than any other position group probably on your roster. That said, I agree with that. That said, like I said, there's it, it's a mindset. It's an attitude. It is a philosophy. I said when it's not cutting time and it's fourth and mm-hmm. one and you know what you're doing, they're, you're not – you're not trying to fool anybody. It's like, hey, we need one yard to get. We're just going to put our head down and try to get this one yard. And like I said, if it wasn't for Roshan Johnson turning and refusing to go down, you don't convert that. And you probably – if you turn it over on downs right there with the momentum Texas Tech had, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you do come back from that. No, no, I, I, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold her hand accountable because um, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I'm just talking about wh- what I think was elite about that 2018 um, offense. And oh, yeah, I agree with you, yeah. It, you know, I mean, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out what changed so dramatically, Yeah, and that's the only thing I can think of. But, but Herb Hand, this is the problem with Herb Hand. The same issues that have existed for this offensive line since midseason last year, they, uh, they still exist. Exactly. Uh, they can't pick up the stunts and the twists. And that's even with three man rushes, and that was happening last year. Uh, they they're not good at short yardage run blocking, so their power the power run game really really suffers. And I don't necessarily know if they're elite at run blocking or pass blocking. I don't necessarily think they're great at either one of them. I think they're average at both. And I think that's where you. That's where when you get a, to a predictable situation on Boom. offense, like they know you're going to run, and that's they know the you're going to pass. You're screwed. And that's the answer. that offensive line is a liability now. And that's the thing that we talked about in the offseason when we sort of stumbled into those, you know, numbers and talking about the stuff rate and the power success rate. And it's like the only way to articulate it to make any sense would be that, well, if you are not getting stuffed, 
But in the most valuable ones on third and fourth down, you're so predictive in those play calls and it's gotten reliant and then maybe weren't as good at self-scouting and not realizing that, well, you know, this year maybe we aren't as good as we were the year before when we had an elite-level lead blocker to come in and help out clear out those holes. That's where that predictive, uh, being predictable can sort of explain or be maybe the only explanation for why you were so bad at that power success rate, despite being so elite at the stuff rate, because it's only meaning that when you're getting into those more predictable scenarios, you are not going to be successful. And it's not going to be even easier because I watched this week past week in the K state and Oklahoma game. I know we aren't previewing next week's game, but if there's anything that won that game for K state was their front four getting pressure on Oklahoma without any blitz, like you were bringing three or four also, in that second half and oh you couldn't do anything to hold on and keep Rattler from being under pressure so if Texas had that issue this weekend and that was the strength of K-State and K-State was down like six or seven players the way that they were that doesn't bode well for Texas this weekend so I want to get to Sam Ellinger here in a sec Rod but I want to look at some good on on offense and I thought those last couple drives were to the point of predictability, you were so predictable. You were your early down run rate was just through the roof in the third quarter. But when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, those last those last two drives where you had to throw the football, they attacked the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. They got them on seam routes. Matt Wells even said after the game, he's like, "We just kept letting seam routes." As he put it, he's like, "Bust wide, smoke it open." He's like, "We couldn't cover a seam route." Uh, you put the ball in Sam Elliott's hands, and lo and behold, in a one-minute situation on two drives, you go right down the field. So you got out of that. You were you were predictable because you had to. But, again, to your point, Rod, you, your, your, your strength at that point is Sam Miller in the passing game. Mm-hmm. The clear weakness of this Texas Tech defense is the back end, period, just in any way, shape, or form. And – Sam Ellinger took advantage of it and, and marched Texas down the field real quick on those two drives. Yeah, and, and I, I, I did. And going to the game, I said you should pass to open up the run. I thought that should have been the game plan from the jump, but I understand why Texas decided to run the football more because, like I said, football logic would dictate it. Right. But sometimes you have to force the issue. Texas Tech was hiding those defend, defenders in the back end because they knew they could be exploited and – Honestly, the truth is how Texas should have probably been, you know, kind of in two-minute mode more often. Yeah. And, and that I think that would have helped and attack, them. Attack in the middle of the field. Attack in the middle of the field. We didn't see any seam routes. We didn't see any crossers. When, when we did see that wide cross concept, we saw some some mesh stuff. It was, yeah. it was, it was there all day, every day. It was. For Sam Ellinger. But the one play I want to talk about, guys, I got I to talk about this before we hit a little Sam and talk some defense. And, Rod, I just defensively, I just want to get to your numbers. I think defensively uh-huh. that's kind of easy to talk about because that it is. is what it is. The two-point conversion. Now. Injected into my veins, brother. We've sat here on this podcast Injected and said, we, Tom Herman needs to steal plays. We need to hmm. steal plays. STP, steal that play. He stole one from Dana Holgerson. Now, you go back to the West Virginia game in 2018, West Virginia lined up in that formation three times. It's an empty set mm-hmm. where you've got four Quads. wide receivers to the field, one to the boundary. Yeah. Four by one. And the I went back and watched. 
this is how just sick I am. I, I had I'd gotten like four hours of sleep the night before, drove to Lubbock Saturday morning. I'm sitting in my hotel room in Snyder, freaking Texas. I'm dead tired. It's like two in the morning, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I I got I gotta go. I gotta do some research on this two point conversion because I couldn't sleep. I was like, I just it, it's gonna make me sleep better if I just do this research now. <laughs> there you go. Pull up the West Virginia game and you go to that sequence and West Virginia lines up in it three times. Herman yeah. bangs a timeout the first time mm-hmm. with no snap. He bangs a time the second timeout. Right before the snap, which is the same play we saw on Saturday. It's Will Greer with a slant to, to the one-on-one David side. Sills, yep. and they converted, but Herman Banks the timeout. The third one is Will Greer ends up calling his own number and gets the corner. Texas has used that play. They've lined up in it three other times. They've actually gotten it off twice. I remember once. The first one was in the Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl against Georgia. Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson gets yeah. one-on-one into the boundary, and that is I the, the that back one. shoulder throw to Colin Johnson in that situation, yeah. Rod. It's, that is money for Sam Ellinger yeah. all day, every day. The second one was last year in the Oklahoma State game where, remember, Colin Johnson was oh, out yeah, that game. Right. Yeah. You had Malcolm Epps lined up to the you're boundary. Right. But point, yeah. the key to that play was in the quad set, Devin Duvernay's lined up on the hash. His release, he just releases up the field. I don't even think he's running around. He just releases. That pulls the defender with him, and then it's a numbers game where all Roshan Johnson has to do on the screen action is count for the unblocked defender. He goes through the defender, gets across the goal line, converts. Texas wins 36-30. They lined up in it, and this is the thing that I think Matt Wells is going to kick himself for. Mm -hmm. They lined up in that formation last year against Texas Tech in Austin. Wow. They lined up in it. Wells calls a timeout. Out of the timeout, Texas just lines up in a regular trips formation. They move Danny Young. They get him out of that quad set, put him in the backfield, mm. and they end up throwing a corner out to Duvernay to convert. But Mount Wells has seen Texas do that, line up in that formation for a two-point conversion before. Yeah. And they had yeah. he had a timeout to burn right there. Yeah. that's true. I mean, I will say this. I mean, what does that matter, though? The whole point of the formation is, is it's, 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 it's an impossible thing to defend, day. right? You got four. You can match my four out there, and you can match my my six in the box, yeah. right, that I have, and that one-on-one. But unless you have an elite corner out there that's one-on-one, all right, Derek Stingley, and then you have really good tacklers out there, and you better make sure that your, your guys in the box also can deal with the running threat of a quarterback. Has it been stopped when, it, when, they, when they run it? It's all about making the right decision. you got a quarterback that makes the right decision, that knows the matchup, that knows that, oh, man, that corner sucks at tackling an open field. Or, oh, this corner sucks at defending the the, the fade or slant. Or, oh, man, these linebackers, dude, my offensive line's going to blow. If, you're, if your quarterback in real time knows the matchups yep. and you're in that formation, dude, you are screwed on defense. The mm-hmm. only thing you can do is really try to discombobulate them by shooting, like taking risks and deciding, all right, defensive end, at the last minute, I want you to shoot, just run straight out there and sprint toward that wide receiver and just, you know what I mean, and try to try to win the numbers advantage in the end and flip yeah. the numbers. But there is nothing you can do. It's the if the- your quarterback is smart. There's nothing you can do. Now, if your quarterback's an idiot and he just picks, the, picks on the wrong guy in the wrong matchup, then, yeah, you're going to be screwed. But you've seen real good quarterbacks. 
dude, ain't nothing you can do there. If I've studied the film and I know your defenders and I know w- what they can do and what they can do, that is an almost impossible place. So to you guys are so 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 got four options. Well, so. it's the idea of also <laughs> that you are engineering the mismatch that you yeah, want to. Everywhere. And I mean, it's the same thing that you'll see in the NBA Finals, and we saw this past series when you have a bad defender, and it's the same con- concept to overload one side. Mm-hmm. You get the switch, and you get say LeBron on Michael Porter Jr. This last series, this upcoming series, it'll be Goran Dragic. If they get the switch, then now clear out everybody over there. I'm going to have my best guy against <laughs> right? your best guy on this so side right, all by if. itself, or somebody's going to cut from the other side because all the confusion's over there, and you're going to have to read three on three and try to make the best last second you can uh, only decision. Guess. It's like being a soccer goalie. Okay. Yes. The best so, thing for you is to just a guess. So, guess even and, if, and leave. so it's good coaching so, to put yourself in it. Then he's saying call the timeout so at least maybe you can make sure you're all on the same page and have a counter defensively. At least to talk it over with your guys and at least have some kind of plan of attack. It was like Texas Tech just, I don't know, you, you could have. Maybe they had somebody, seen it on somebody like from the there should There should have been somebody, a GA, somebody oh, yeah. in Matt Wells' ear going, I know what that is, Coach. Just bang a timeout. Let's talk about this for a second. Not saying that's a bad idea. Yeah, I'm just saying I think I'm it, saying that was the that, to me, Rod. That was the only that was the only decision Matt Wells had at that point. Just call a timeout, if nothing else, just to tell your guys, look, you're just pick a leverage. You're either getting fade or slant to the boundary, and just try to leverage yeah. that quad side. A good time to, to coach him up is right then. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think but at the end about, of the day, you're my, right though. Like I said, yep. it, it's 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 so amazing that you can really like Matt said, you can isolate matchups on weak defenders there so easily. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, so I don't know why they don't on run them more often. On both sides of the well, field, you get not most sides, everywhere on the well, field, you're true, even true. the box yeah. too. And then Sam, the box is the most dangerous guy. You got Bam Sam in there with five. O lineman in front of him, and you got your two linebackers yep. back there. Dude, I think that's beautiful. No, now, to is. me, that might be the best matchup with Bam Bam Sam in a yard You're to go. Right. That is, that's well, that's <laughs> but that's that's how Will Greer scored on the two point conversion. Yeah. If you watch it, like he showed draw, Jeffrey McCulloch bites. And the slant takes the corner, and you've got nothing but real Open estate field. right there. Yeah. yeah, all you need is your, your linebacker make one mistake. Eyes in the wrong place, guess the wrong. If, yeah. if, if Sam, and takes, then you the, run take, to Sam the... takes a snap and then fakes like he's going to throw to the the quad side, dude, right then and there, the linebackers will guess enough, and I guarantee you can run, probably run straight up You there. could even throw a pump fake to the slant side and then bootleg out to the To your point, though, Rod, about just if you've got a smart quarterback, you're good in that situation. And Dane Holgerson had a veteran quarterback in that situation. Situation who made the call? Yep. Sam said he gave Brennan Eagles the decision. He's like, you want to fade or the slant? You want to fade the slant? Eagles said, <laughs> Eagles said, give me the slant. I can Sam said, all way. right, you're getting the slant. And Sam said, as he was talking through the play mm, in the post game, he said, awesome. he said, I almost checked to the fade. He said because I saw that Will linebacker sitting there in the slant window. He said I almost mm. checked the fade. He said I didn't. He said I just decided to go go through with it. And I think part of that was, you know. We know. We go back to the UTEP game. Him and Brendan Eagles had problems getting on the same page. I, that might be Sam thinking. No, we said slant. I'm just going to let him run the slant and see what happens. And he's like, thankfully, he's like, thankfully, that linebacker they, vacated. Like, the no, window. he said, thankfully, they blitzed and the slant window was wide open. Oh, I say he vacated the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like you said, Rod, veteran quarterback knew where he was going with the football. His decision proved right. And I, I just, I love, I love that concept. I love what they've done off of it. And I've put it. I've got the story up at Horns twenty four seven. Everybody can go over there and get it now. Um, I kind of went back to the USC game, Herman's first year, and you remember in the overtime they do the throwback pass to Kate Brewer. Oh yeah, I love and then they kick the extra point, and we're like, okay, you're on the road in overtime. You just scored. Why not go for two 
and put all the pressure on USC at that point. And Tom Herman's response was, well, the touchdown pass was our two-point play. Yeah. Now, Rod, you have a package. A two-point play. Yeah, two-point package. Forever. You got a two-point package. Not a play. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know what it could be. It could be a fade or a slant to the one receiver side. It could be uh, you know, a wide receiver screen to the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could put one of those wide receivers on a slant. Could be a block and then, you know what I mean? It could be a, a block and release late. I mean, there are like five, six different possibilities. So I would say you got a two-point package now, potentially, yeah. which I love. I love yeah. it. That's good. That's um, good work. Real quick, I just about Sam Ellinger. I mean, I asked Tom Herman in the post game. I said, "What did you say to the offense? You know, down fifteen with three thirteen to go. Like, what do you tell them? Things hadn't gone that well at that point." And he didn't tell the offense anything. He said, "Our quarterback came up to me and said they left us too much time. We're going to go down and win this thing." <laughs> and swag. Yeah, I mean, right, man, he's got it. We, he's got we, that it quality. We talk about the it factor at that position, and it's one of those things that we always say. It's like the definition of pornography. Like I can't tell you what it is, but I know what it is when I see it. Uh, and I'm sure I butchered that, but that's pretty much what the it factor is for a quarterback. Like I can't, I can't describe it to you, but I know what it is when I see it. And Sam Ellinger's got it in spades, man. This, I mean, as long as long as eleven has the ball and there's time on the clock, Rod, he's at the point in his career where where you never feel like you're out of a game. Yeah, you should put the ball in his hands more often, earlier in the game more often. Well, he, that's the one thing, like, in this crazy season, and even though there's been all the struggles, uh, I mean, across college football, you're going to be in every single game if you have a quarterback like Sam. And a guy like Sam, it's like no matter how bad you go and play on special teams or have lapses on defense or can't tackle, Sam's been – like, the, the fact that Texas could win that game is pretty crazy. Um. You know, I, I heard defense, though. I heard Kevin Dunn on Brad <laughs> Kellner on the, on the post game on the horn. Very true. Uh, the question got asked: You know, what is the what is the identity of the offense? Right, I think we're it's back Sam. to where Sam Ellinger is the identity of the offense. Yeah. It's not a certain concept or the run game or whatever. It's Sam, man. QB one is your offense. That yeah. is what that it is. Should what be. This thing is exactly. Yeah, I don't think you need a concept uh, offense right now or an identity. You just need to make sure that Sam plays well. Sam plays well. You good. <laughs> and he played. You he, can have everything go bad on defense and special teams, and you somehow won. You despite still win. every other game, every other existence. That game's a loss. Oklahoma's been doing it for the last ten years. Well, and I went. <laughs> I went back and looked. Uh, there was yeah. a game. You know, the best Big Twelve team I've seen, Rod, in this iteration of the league, in this ten team iteration uh, since I've been on the beat in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, covering the, the, the league exclusively, uh, getting away from recruiting. Was that 2014 TCU team? I just Good thought team. they were the most complete team. Yeah, uh, they went to uh, you know they they had some shootouts that year. I think it was actually the following the year. Game. The following year, the the 15 team that almost won the conference championship. Yeah, they lost the the Baylor game in Waco, but you know they that team that 2014 2015 era TCU football where they were probably the best team in the Big 12. Uh, they went to Lubbock in 15 and won a game 55 52. Yeah, hey man, love it, man. You, know, weird you had you, you had the the Baker Mayfield Patrick Mahomes game a couple years ago. Yeah, Oklahoma wins the league, but they play a game in Lubbock where both teams have over eight hundred yards of total offense. Yeah, that game just high powered offense will keep you in games. And, li- and like we said, <laughs> how you know we'll we'll look. There are issues, and I think the offensive line is the biggest issue on offense. It's, it is got to get resolved. No question. Uh, and Rod, you'll get to defense. At least you got to go to wide receiver, but. 
shouldn't figure that out. If you're a Texas fan, I think the thing you hang your hat on is, man, Oklahoma's won a lot of games like this in this five-year run where they've won the league. Yeah. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't when, need a when, well-rounded team. When it was TCU and Baylor in this thing, they won a lot of – like Art, that Art Briles baylor run, they won a whole hell of a lot of games yeah. like this. So yeah. there is a lot to correct, but, man, as long as you're on the right side – if this season ends, Rod – with those players getting a ring and a number getting put on the wall, nobody's going to remember what the spread in the Texas Tech game was. No, no. But I, I, if Texas is going to be able to maximize Sam Ellinger's presence, you got to clean up some of the stuff. You, you can't have punts blocked, onside kicks recovered, muff punts all in the same game. You yeah. can't have 19 missed tackles in that same game. This was your mulligan. And then try, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like You can have one or two of those issues. That's okay. You know what I mean? And Sam can still go win the game for you. But you put all that on Sam's plate to try to win the game. That, that to me, is, is too much. Right? Yeah. Those are too many mistakes. I didn't mean to stumble over myself a second ago. I thought that, uh, that game in Lubbock for TCU was in that 14 season, but it wasn't. The 2014 game, they played Tech at home and – uh, won that Throttled game. Them. Won that game, eighty-two twenty-seven. Damn. <laughs> Trevon Boykin, that offense put up an eighty burger, Rod. That's amazing. I, I That's a hell of a about number. That. That's crazy. So, Rod, we got about five minutes left in this week's show, and I saved it for you. Oh yeah. Is it uh, is it as simple to say is man the defense? They just didn't get the ball on the ground. It's nothing schematic. It's just. They didn't get the ball on the ground, and DBs didn't do a really good job when the ball was in the air. Um, I think that, you know, first of all, we always talk about what is the ultimate cheat code in, on defense and it's forcing turnovers. So I will say that, you know, you can basically they, – they basically almost got a failing grade, but they got extra credit for the yeah. turnovers. So that probably gave them a passing grade. And in the Big 12 sometimes, that's, that's enough. You can be a bad mm-hmm. defensive team, and if you're creating – if they're going to create two, three turnovers every game, mm-hmm. you know what? I'll, I'll deal with the mistakes they're going to make, but they're not going to do that every game. Yeah, no. <laughs> Alex Bowman's not going to be throwing not the, on the, the football very next every game. Play. There was exactly. twice where twice. it was like, oh, exactly. my God. Yes. Then one of them was a pick six, and yeah. the other one nearly was. And it so. was like, well, I can't believe it, but that just totally answers that. And now yeah. Texas is in a better position. Um, that ain't, you can't rely on those best things. Best sudden change defense ever or luckiest sudden yeah, change no, no, defense right. ever. Change. Doesn't matter. You got it done. I'm Aggressive. not going to hate on that, man. A turnover's hard. So turnovers are big, so I don't want to hate on that. So I start with the good but the bad is um you know you can't miss that many tackles and I'm sure it's because of the offseason and Tom Herman they probably haven't been as being as physical at practice as they probably needed to and they've had injuries but 19 missed tackles uh basically 38 percent of the total yardage for Texas Tech was due to missed tackles I mean and I, I, I was being tackles. very conservative about it too trust me I could have added another 30 yards to that and probably could have added another two three four Jeez. missed tackles but the whole point is they got to correct that. You can't even du- – you want to try to stay away from double-digit missed tackles. That's the goal. I counted fraud. I counted like four or five on the first drive. They did. They had five on the first drive. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then that yeah. last one. <laughs> they, had, they had more on the first drive than they had in the entire UTEP game, I'm pretty sure. And then it was like – at times I saw the defense, like sometimes players, it was there was aggressiveness, but you're overrunning plays because you're being too aggressive almost in those situations. And, like, it's on the big run by Sharadrick at the end whenever you see an overshone coming in to go and put his shoulder in. And that exactly – it's like couldn't be more comedically timed that B.J. Foster comes in and blows up overshone. And they all – like, they're 
both going in with shoulders, and he's blowing up over Stone oh, yeah. from behind, and it just is the sole reason that propels Roderick to the outside. It was like if your own guy isn't coming in with the wrong type of just leverage and coming in to blow up, you wouldn't have had either. If you just contain it, you get an easy push him towards the sideline. Instead, it's the two perfectly timed. It, it basically slingshots the guy to the outside, so then he's just gone. It's Comedy weird. of errors. It's weird, though. The Sir Roderick Thompson touchdown, that actually ends up helping, helping. Texas in a, in yeah, a weird way. Yeah, it scored so fast, so quickly. Um, Old football, you just it, get a first it was, down. It was also a really good game plan by Tech. I said it before the game started. They're going to attack the linebackers. They're going to attack that intermediate area of the oh, defense man, where the linebackers defend, and they did. They, well, they, they run a short, high-percentage passing game anyway, but you saw when Texas adjusted by putting more of their safeties in the box, using more of their disguise, moving their safeties around, the adjustment for Texas Tech, and it was a good counter, go after the corners. And they went after the corners, and they had success going after the corners. So to me, I think going forward, that's where the game plan will start for Big 12 teams. They're going to attack the hell out of those linebackers so they prove themselves in space and in coverage. And then once Texas adjusts by bringing their safeties down into the box, moving their safeties around, they're going to attack those corners because then you're leaving those corners on a bit of an island. And that's what happened. That was the game in a nutshell. That was a defensive mm-hmm. chess match in a nutshell. Uh, and the Texas corners – I don't know if they were able, they they survived adequately on that island. That to me, right? Like missed tackles. Uh, to me, a lot of it looked like just guys falling back on old habits. It was That's exactly uh, right. So I think some of that is correctable. And they didn't have a lot of time to teach the new rugby tackling style. The, the issue for too. me defensively, Rod, is we saw just corners struggle all year last year with the ball in the air, and we talk about not having enough time. I don't think there was enough time for Jay Valai and Chris Ash to coach that bad technique out of guys. And that's something that I think everybody's going to have to kind of hold on for dear life and hope that at some point guys adjust. But I also think it goes back, too, to something you and I talked about. Man, that corner rotation, it's going to its gonna have some feel where, yeah. hey, against Eric Ezekama and TJ Vasher, two big receivers, Maybe we should have seen more Kenyatta Watson. I don't know. Maybe we should have just seen more Josh Thompson than Jalen Green and Deshaun Jamison. I don't know, but that's picking your when it because I agree with you. It's going to come down to one on ones on the outside, man. Picking the right mix of corners to match up with opposing wide receivers that's probably going to determine the success or failure of this defense at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I'm with you. The, the corners and they're not getting physical at the line of scrimmage, so they're not getting a jam a lot of the times too, and that's messing up the end of the play for them, the conclusion of the play. So a lot of work to do on the outside for the corners. I think with you, that's the biggest issue and the missed tackles. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Texas and TCU. We'll see if Texas can get some of this stuff corrected and go to 3-0 and on the year. 2-0 in Big 12 play. We'll see if they can get it done on Saturday at DKR. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. 
on the Triple Option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. James Pluck. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, classic interviews, and shows. Everything is available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yeah, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.